Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Woodland Life Center. We are so glad you're here. We hope that you've come ready to worship the Lord with us. We are ready. And I want to start this morning by reading Psalm 148, part of it. The first six verses say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his heavenly hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass.
grows faint, does not stumble, does not need to sleep. We worship him today. Let's sing to the everlasting God.
join in with the angels and all creation singing your glory and your praises for who you are, the unchanging, immutable, everlasting God. We worship you. There's nothing else for us to do. We lavish our praise on you. We love you. We want to live for you. You are real. The world wants to know. The watching world wants to know. And I proclaim today in the presence of all my sisters and brothers in Christ that you are real and you are true and you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by you. You are the one. You are the one.
declaration of our reality. Uh, they're not just well put together words in a pretty song, but they are the cry of our hearts today. All the things in this world that tug at us and and lean into us and, 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 and try to distract us and draw us away from you, from our lives being centered on you, we simply declare today that we adore you. You are the one that our hearts truly desire. And we have a desperate need for you. We need your presence in our lives. We need your power in our lives. We need your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness to flow freely to us, yes, but through us, for sure. 
to those that are around us, our friends, our loved ones, our family, our, even to our enemies, to those that press against us, push against us, even fight against us. We pray for them. We pray for our nation today, those that are governing us, those that are in leadership over us at all levels. You know how desperate we are for revival in our land. And those kind of things start, they spark in places like this, in people like us. We are the light of the world. We are your hands and your feet. And the prayers of the righteous are effectual. They are powerful. They accomplish things. And so we cry out in prayer today on behalf of our nation and on behalf of our world, all of the governments that are, that are in effect and our scheming and our planning and all the things, all, all the, the, the could-be's, all the possibilities. We, I trust it all into your hands. You are the sovereign God of all the universe and you are greater. You are greater. You are more powerful. You are more knowledgeable. You are our all in all. We are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves before you today. And we seek your face as, as we turn from the ways of the world in hopes and prayer that you would come and heal our land. We honor you today in all things. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all prayed and everybody declared. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, and as you're doing so, I want to invite our ushers to join me up here as we want to continue to worship through our giving today. What a blessing it is to be able to partner in the kingdom work. Jesus, you are our provider. We thank you for the provision that has come and that is, that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today, use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Kiddos, you can come on up, bring your offerings, and, and uh, head on to that back door, and I think we'll have somebody, maybe Joe, you'll be our escort today. Thank you, brother. And we have a couple of video announcements that we'd like to show you. If you can get those pulled up, Doug, that'd be great. All right, well, we're going to forego the video announcements. That's all right. Let me just share with you what we want to 
talk about with our announcements. So next Sunday is, is, a, is a big event, and we want and hope and pray that you will plan on being here, joining us for this. Uh, the main thing we're doing next Sunday in the midst of our regular worship and our digging into the Word is we want to honor our first responders. And we have uh, put out personal invitations to all of the departments in our county, and they are coming which is great, and not only uh, are they coming, the men and women are coming, but they're bringing their vehicles, and they're going to have them parked and lined up out there um, uh, for us, uh, especially for the kids to play on and, and, and that kind of thing following the service. As you came in this morning, you saw uh, a table, a nice booth set up that is an opportunity for us today to write out some thank you cards that we're going to distribute next week, along with the kids are making some stuff for our first responders this morning, and then we're going to have some gift cards that we want to bless them with. We're inviting them here with us um, in, in hopes that they'll encounter um, the presence of the living God first and foremost, but we want them to know that we support them, that we're grateful for their efforts, for their sacrifice, for for the way that they put themselves into harm's way so often that we, we don't ever hear about or know about. We want to thank them and, and honor them and celebrate them. And that's happening a week from today. I would encourage you um, to, to not miss this uh, next Sunday. It's going to be a great time together. Uh, at, at the same time, we've got a couple other things that we're doing that morning as well. Uh, we are going to have booths set up throughout this room of all of the small groups, uh, all of the activities, all the things that are being offered this fall. We want you to be able to see what's happening, know what's happening, and, and maybe you'll find a, a group or, or a, a Bible study or something like that that you, that you can find yourselves fitting in and, and participating in. So all of our group leaders will, will have some stuff set up to, to kind of show off what's going on and what will be happening this fall. And then also, our children, we're going to highlight our children a little bit this coming Sunday as well because we are promoting them to their uh, next classes. So um, for those of you that have children, that's another reason for you to be here. So we've got a lot going on next Sunday. I would encourage you uh, to make a point of, of joining us next week. I think it's going to be a great time together. So this morning, we, we make a transition. Uh, we've been walking through this Rooted series, and we've been walking through the Old Testament, and, and we finished in Micah last week, and, and we turn a corner into the New Testament. I remind us that, that Micah, the very last prophet to, to speak, um, happened right uh, towards the end of the exile period, and then there's 400 years of silence. Now, let's just kind of grab some perspective on 400 years, because we can throw out numbers like that and, and pass right by it. I want you to, without looking at your phone, okay, we're going to Backtrack 400 years to the year 1620. Who can tell me what significant event is connected to the year 1620? That would be 400 years ago. Anybody know? Plymouth Rock, Mayflower, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, think about that. 
400 years ago. That, that's, that's how far back we go into American history, basically the beginning of American history. That's the time frame in which there was silence from the period of the exile till we're going to put the cross right here in the middle of the stage, okay? So here we are in front of the cross. We have 400-year span where there's silence. And, and the Jews, as they are moving towards this coming of the Messiah, they're looking for him. They, they actually know because of, of the prophet Daniel the timeline, they, they, they know the time frame within which Messiah is going to arrive. But, but after Malachi, there's, there's no more new information, no more new input from the Almighty. Now, I'm going to step on this side of the timeline. Because for us, what happens is we shift from Malachi to Matthew. Now, actually, what I'd like for you to do, if you have your Bible here, I'd like for you to put your finger right here at the beginning of Matthew, and then I want you to close your Bible, and I want you to hold it in your hand with the front of your Bible face down. Now, I just want you to observe something here. The book of Genesis at the bottom, and the book of Revelation at the top. Everything that we have been talking through all these months serves as a foundation, as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a building point for what is about to take place. The New Testament is built upon this necessary foundation. Everything that we understand from and through the New Testament comes directly out of what has already taken place in the Old Testament. Messiah's arrival, Messiah's teaching, Messiah's sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, everything about who he is, what he says, what he does, everything that he is about is flowing out of the foundation that we have been given in, on this side of the cross. I mean, you look at that, that... That's like three-fourths of our Bible is, is the foundation. Three-fourths of what we've been handed in Scripture is our foundation. Folks, it's, the, the Old Testament is necessary for us. I, for some reason, some of our contemporaries, some, some, some Christians have this I, this notion, this idea that only the New Testament matters. And I just, have, I just can't fathom that because how, how could I possibly understand anything on this side of the cross when I don't understand what's happening on this side of the cross? Yet some places that seems to be their mentality. So we, as we move into Matthew, we have our timeline here of the cross right in the middle of the stage, right? Messiah is born, Jesus is born, and he walks the earth. 
he suffers and he dies on the cross. He raises from the dead. Um, A few weeks later, he ascends into heaven and we move into the book of Acts where the day of Pentecost comes and the church is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the believers who were in hiding now begin to move out and the gospel begins to spread. And we get to about A.D. 50 to A.D. 70. Somewhere in that time frame is when Matthew writes his account. Everything in the New Testament, all of the the four Gospels, the book of Acts, all of the letters, everything in the New Testament is written down somewhere in, in, in these couple of decades. So everybody's reflecting back on what had taken place. They're they're beginning to write down what they saw. For instance, Matthew being an apostle, he walked with Jesus. Jesus himself called Matthew to be one of his followers. So Matthew is giving firsthand accounts, except for Jesus' birth, of course. But most of the point, he's giving giving firsthand accounts. John is giving firsthand accounts. So there are first-hand accounts, but there are also second-hand accounts, as, as, uh, uh, or even third-hand accounts, where, where Luke's gospel, he's, he wasn't a direct follower of Jesus, but he was of, of Paul. These, these men are, are writing down, they're reflecting back to what had happened. So when we read through the Old Testament, no matter which book or which letter you, you are reading from realize this is kind of where you're at in history as they're writing these things down they're pointing to what has already occurred matthew was a jew and he was a tax collector he was actually working for the roman government basically he was viewed as a traitor There was a special kind of a hatred that the Jews had for their brothers who were serving as tax collectors. Matthew was one of those. And imagine the shock when he's sitting at his table and Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, follow me. I mean, who would have been more shocked, Matthew himself or the followers of Jesus who are like, wait, whoa, 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 hey, whoa, time out. Listen, Jesus, I know this is your team, but let's, let's, let, can we, can we have a vote here? I mean, this, this guy, whoa, come on now. Think about what he's been doing to our people. Matthew turns from tax collector to apostle. His gospel is very Jewish. As you read through the book of Matthew, realize that he's very focused in on this over here and how this right here is a fulfillment of this right here. And the reason that's his intention is because he's trying to woo his brothers and sisters, his Jewish brothers and sisters, into belief in Jesus. Because his Jewish brothers and sisters have assumed at this point that this whole Christianity thing has, should have been put to bed, done. 
end of story. Jesus was killed and buried, and that's it. Let's move on from there. Matthew's like, uh, not so fast, my brothers and sisters. For Messiah has come. When you understand that, that framework, I think it makes sense why he begins, why the very first thing as we turn into the New Testament, we slam right into a, what appears to be a really boring list of names. Here's how Matthew chapter 1 goes. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, isn't that exciting? I mean, doesn't that just pull you right in? Genealogy, yes! Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Isn't this exciting? Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. (gasps) After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. I'm sure I blew some of those names in there. But that's how he begins. See, here he is trying to make a a, a declaration about something. To those that have not believed in Jesus as Messiah, even even though Daniel's account here gives clear guidelines as to the time frame, which the time frame is coming gone. It, it happened right here. Now we're right here. Matthew's like, hello, time frame is coming gone. Can't you see that inside of that time frame, this, this whole story of Jesus has taken place? What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you from here to here how he solves this riddle. You should be able to believe in him because of this. Now, at the point that Matthew writes this down, the the temple is still fully intact. And understand that they kept detailed records. Detailed records. So when he makes this list, he knows that the immediate readers of this, 
have the ability to walk directly into the temple and begin to go through the names to prove or disprove what he is saying. He's putting it right there on the line. Go ahead and go check it out. I'm, I'm just going to map it out for you. What I'm mapping out for you is that this whole thing, the person of Jesus, fits inside of the guidelines in which you are looking for. Somehow you've missed that. You crucified him. He rose from the dead anyways because he's God. He, and, and what I'm going to show you is that not only has he fulfilled all of this, then I'm going to show you about what he truly did and how he accomplished these things and how he fulfilled all the things that the law and the prophets put into place. And as you walk through the book of Matthew, you see this very Jewish lens. Are we tracking together here? He breaks this down into three sections. The Abraham section, the David section, and the exile section. His very first verse, he kind of gives us a summary. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and he highlights those two names in particular. Why? Abraham, boom. We're going way back. By the way, from the, from the time of Abraham to the time of Jesus, 2,000 years. 2,000 years. By the way, that's the same amount of time of where we are now, going backwards to Jesus. 2,000 years, right? Abraham gets this promise in Genesis chapter 15. You can look this up if you want to. He gets this promise from God. Follow me, God says. Trust me, and I'm going to make you the father of, of many nations. That's how he says it in chapter 17. In chapter 15, he, God brings him outside and has him look up into to the night sky and says, you see all these stars? This is going to be what your descendants are going to be like. You're not even going to be able to count them. A couple chapters later, God comes back to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. That, that promise isn't fulfilled for 2,000 plus years. But it's a it's a it's a covenantal promise. It's a covenant. It, it's a thing between. It's a pact between Abraham and God, and 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 it says, Abraham's response is he simply believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now we have a nickname for Abraham. We call him the father of faith. He's the father of faith. And he's the father of faith because of this fundamental belief that he has in God. And it starts, we see it for the first time right here. This covenant thing that happens with God. He just believes, okay, if, that's what you, if it's going to be like that. And at this point, he's an old man and he has no children yet. All right, but if this is, all right, if this is what you say, I, I just believe it. And, and it's credited to him as righteousness. And that becomes a foundational piece to Judaism. As you track all the way through, even to this day. Then there's the second section where there's this promise that's made to David. 
2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, there's David has finally become king. And there's this covenant thing that happens between God and David. And, and God basically says to David, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. Now, when God says something about the word forever, and we're talking about the sovereign God who has, who has some ability to see the entire timeline all at once, very difficult to explain, very difficult for us finite people who are crammed into a calendar right here to understand. But you got the God of all the universes put everything into motion here, and he drops himself into this spot, and he says, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. You can bank on the fact that what he's saying is fact, it's true. Lock it in. Now, as you track Israel's history, what happens? It train wrecks, right? King, 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 boom, exiled. I mean, it's, that's, what, that's where we've been the last few weeks. So, clearly, the promise that God brings to David is superior to this human lineage that moves forward. Now, David's mentality is going to be human lineage. So he's like, David's like, wow, well, who am I that, that you would do this? That, that's David's response. You can, you can see that in, in 2, Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. But God's got this big picture in mind. This covenant that he's made with Abraham. This covenant that he's making with David. And then we get into exile period Israel is decimated Jerusalem is decimated the temple is decimated and inside of this time frame prophets are 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 rising up and the Lord is speaking through prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet and and then we get to the end of the exile and and Malachi is is the last word and then we go into that silence mode that we've been talking about Micah Chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, is great because Micah is, is one that um, speaks to the, the, the coming Messiah. Let me just read for you what, what Micah says. It's probably not as familiar coming out of Micah, but you'll recognize it from, from the Christmas story. But you, Bethlehem... Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Now, this happens to be the passage that the that Herod's. So we're in, we're we're into nativity story. We're into Christmas story, and 
King Herod of Israel is, is, is in place, right? And his, uh, his minions come to him because there's, there's whispers of a king that has been born. And they refer to this because out of Bethlehem is, is, where, is what they're anticipating. They, they know the scripture. They know the prophecies. They know, they know what the prophets have said about Messiah. And again, we're in the time frame, and they know that we're in the time frame where he's supposed to arrive. So there's anticipation. There's expectation. There's awareness. You could, I could imagine, and you can imagine as well, in all of the synagogues that are around, um, uh, there's going to be whole lots of reading out of these things because they know they're functioning in the time frame. Have awareness. Have your eyes open. The Lord is coming. Messiah is coming. You know, I mean, there's excitement building. Of course, we understand on this side of it now as we look back, they had all the wrong ideas, all the wrong preconceived notions about what Messiah was going to do. It's why they rejected Jesus. He didn't kick Rome out. He didn't overthrow the Roman government and reestablish Israel as its, as its own sovereign nation. That's what the Jews were looking for and hoping for, but that didn't happen that way. Instead, there was this <coughs> kingdom that had been referred to to David that, that God had in mind. And it superseded Israel's history. Oh, it, it certainly came out of it. The, the root of all of this stuff flows directly out of all that's happened here. But this kingdom is an, is an overriding kingdom that was for, to Abraham, all nations. Matthew is standing here and he, can, he, can, he sees it and he's experienced, he's filled with the Holy Spirit at this point. And he's, he's getting supernatural understanding about this, this thing called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. That's the language that he uses as he's writing down all, the, all that happened right here. Man. All of this history, what what really kind of looks like the most boring chapter in all of Scripture, suddenly comes alive with crazy history. Look at Looking through these names. Church, Jesus' lineage, his genealogy is a mess. It's a huge mess. There is no squeaky clean thing that's happening inside of this. It, it's one mess after another, after another, after another. We don't have time to go through that mess. But it's one of the reasons why I wanted us to walk through the whole of Scripture this year. Because, as you, because since we have done so, you've been able to experience some of these stories, some of these train wrecks. But here comes Messiah. Out of all of these train wrecks, Messiah is born. And he's called the Christ. The holy and anointed one. Look, it's really interesting how Matthew frames all this out. Because as you look through the genealogy, you see 
Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob. It, it reads right like that all the way down until, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. He makes a delineation, a distinction. Oh, yeah, Jesus comes through this lineage, but not physically. We're, we're addressing Joseph's lineage all the way back so that it explains how Jesus fulfills all of this stuff. But Joseph didn't have anything to do with Jesus' birth. Oh, no, God did this. And then he goes on to explain. This miraculous thing that Matthew is, is describing. Promise, thousand years. Promise, thousand years. Fulfillment. Promise, promise, promise. Fulfillment. 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 And he's able to go down as he writes his experiences following Jesus. He's the, he's the fulfiller of all of it. Brothers and sisters, if you would just allow yourselves to open up your eyes, you will see that it's true. You will understand. You will be able to comprehend. You will be able to comprehend. You should be able to comprehend immediately because you know this better than anybody. This is what you have studied your entire lives. Messiah has come. Uh, that's, a, that's a phrase that's normally talked about when there's snow on the ground and there's twinkly lights hanging around everywhere, right? We normally save that kind of chat for December. Well, here we are breaking into the New Testament well, the silence of 400 years is, is broken with, with the arrival of, of a newborn. Fulfilling the lineage of Abraham and David all the way through the exile. Messiah has come. Not just for the Jews. Abraham was to be the father of many nations. And here we are, way down here, way over here in, in the calendar of, of history. 4,000 years separating us from, from that covenant with Abraham to now. And we're still participating in the fulfillment of all that Messiah has done. What an amazing thing that Christ has done for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have 
everlasting life. See, this kingdom of heaven thing is not just something that functions on earth. Yes, it is functioning on earth, but it's got eternity wrapped all around it. You and I are eternal beings. We've been created with with eternity in mind. We were dropped inside of this calendar and, and we're walking it out and we're functioning. There was a beginning for us. And yes, there will be an end for each one of us physically, but there's this eternal thing that's, that still will function even when they bury us. Our spirits will live eternally. What is your relationship to the kingdom of heaven? Are you functioning with the Spirit of God in you? The only way that happens is if you say yes to Him. If you have agreed to His plan, His his way, which means if you have come to a place where you have acknowledged that He is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all of this stuff, just as Matthew Mark, Luke, and John have, have proclaimed, just as Paul has explained, if, if, uh, if you have believed in Jesus as Messiah, which means you've had to acknowledge some things. He is God, and you are not. He is God, and he's a forgiving God. And we need forgiveness. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has has failed the system, has sinned against the system. Jews and Gentiles alike are guilty of the same sin. Those that were functioning here, those that were functioning here, and those of us that are functioning right here, We're all equally guilty. The question is, will we come to a place where we humble ourselves to that reality and and simply ask for the forgiveness that we need? That is why he suffered and died on the cross the way he did. So he could bring forgiveness of sins to the world. It was the only way that the problem of sin could ever be solved. The problem of sin that began right here at the very beginning. Jesus solves it right here on the cross. With your eyes closed, It's, it's really just, just me looking, because I just, I just want to have a bit of a private conversation with you in this public setting. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about your spiritual journey. I'm not going to pretend to guess 
where you have been spiritually, where you are right now spiritually, what's happening in your life, what decision or non-decision you have made in your life. But today you are and have been, you've been presented with the story of Messiah, the story of the gospel. Today you have heard that Messiah has come and he's come with forgiveness in his heart, forgiveness in his mind, forgiveness that is offered to each and every one of us should we choose to accept it. So the private conversation between me and you right now is simply this. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you personally agreed to his plan of salvation? If you're not sure, or if you know that you have not, I want you to know that right now in this very moment, you can take care of that. Right now in this very moment, you have the opportunities to simply come into agreement with Messiah's plan if you so choose. Because this, this offering that he makes to you today is a free gift. Because there's not a thing you can do to earn it. There's not a thing you can do to ever deserve it. And there's no amount of money that you can pay to buy it. What he did on the cross paid for it in full. And he's now extending that to you as a free gift. But just because the free gift just because the pretty little package of salvation has your name on it doesn't mean that it's yours unless you accept it, unless you receive it, unless you take it on, unless you own it, unless you come to a place in your heart and your mind where you say, I, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Messiah. I am a sinner, and I, and I need to be saved by your grace and your mercy. That's how you are going to receive this free gift. that is stirring in your heart and in your mind right now, I'm the only one looking. I just want you to slip up your hand and say, I'm ready to receive Jesus today. Is there anyone in this room that's ready to, to say yes to this free gift, this, this offering that Messiah makes? Any, anyone? I, I, it's quite possible that we have all already done this, but I cannot allow this moment to pass us by without And I'm going to say hallelujah that, that we have all made this kind of a decision. That we've all already agreed that Jesus is Messiah and he is our Savior today. So Jesus, we honor you with our lives. We thank you for the depth of your story that, that we were able to dig into today. And the width of your story, the width of this, this amazing timeline Thousands of years in play here. 
you fulfilling one promise after another after another. And here we are, over 2,000 years removed from you walking on the earth, and still you are changing and affecting and stirring and moving and accomplishing your, your purposes in us and through us today. And as we declared early in, er, in the service, we, our, our need for you is great. Thank you, Jesus, for solving the problem of sin for us. Thank you for the gift of salvation that you have given us. And as we turn and move into the truths of the New Testament, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you will open up our hearts and our minds at, at levels that haven't been opened before as we're able to see all that is, that is fulfilled in, in the New Testament that flows right out of the old. Thank you for the truth of the whole of your word from Genesis to Revelation and how it's changing us and affecting us. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, will you stand with me? Let's let's just sing this chorus together. You should know it. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, the Lord of all. One more time. Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer. Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, the Lord of all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May his countenance come upon you. May he fill you with his peace, his grace, his mercy, and his power. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday.
Oh, this love is all I want now Let's heal for your 